Welcome to Alternative Fund Insight, exploring the trends and meeting the personalities driving hedge funds and private markets. My name is Will Wainwright, and this week I am joined by Salvatore Codaro and Lionel Erdley, co-CEOs at Cortages, seasoned hedge fund allocators and experts in the seeding game. Before we start, an announcement about the future of AFI. Since starting our podcast last summer, AFI has interviewed some of the leading names in alternatives. In recent months, we have expanded to provide daily news, sharp analysis and deeply reported features online. Our aim is simple, to provide professionals in hedge funds and private markets with industry analysis, exclusive interviews and mission-critical information they won't find anywhere else. All content has been free until now. The next phase of AFI will make it a sustainable and long-term fixture at the heart of the alternatives industry. While the podcast and some daily news will remain free forever, AFI is introducing paid membership for our premium analysis and interviews. In addition, we have used our industry experience to build a suite of research and business intelligence tools exclusively for subscribers. We are also launching a new quarterly magazine focused on alternatives. Please head to alternativefundinsight.com for more information. Your support would be much appreciated. To today's interview. I started by asking Salvatore Cordaro for an update on Investcortages as we enter 2023. Investcortages is a specialist alternative asset manager focused on alternative investments uh, with the goal to help investors uh, to access unique talents and uh, uh, uncorrelated uh, return streams uh, in whatever form uh, this is best accessed. So we work around uh, different ways to access uh, the alpha that managers are able to um, to generate. We do this by and investing in uh, in funds, uh, as most of our competitors do. We do this also via uh, strategic partnerships with managers, which have uh, different, uh, which can take different forms. Uh, one of them is uh, seeding. We are one of the leading providers of uh, seed capital for for hedge funds. We do this also by partnering with them in uh, uses funds. We have a very successful uh, um, uses platform. Or we do this also through thematic portfolios, what we call the special opportunities portfolios. And uh, more recently, we've done that also via internal managers. Uh, We've done this for a very long time uh, on uh, both sides. Investcorp Tages is a joint venture between Investcorp and Tages uh, that was uh, created three years ago. Uh, But clearly the teams have been doing this uh, for a much longer period of time before. Investcorp has been doing this for 26 years, Tages uh, since uh, its inception. And three years ago, we decided to combine the two teams to, with the goal to strengthen our investment platforms, uh, to make it more global with a more ge- global geographic footprint, uh, accessing a deeper pinch of bench of talent. And uh, w- this was done with the goal to uh, deliver uh, the be- better performance for, for our investors. 
And today, as we enter 2023, the, the platform has, is uh, stronger than has ever been. Uh, we come after uh, a, an interesting year, which we navigated very well. So performance has been very strong. The team is uh, stronger than ever. We have uh, had the, the privilege to be able to hire additional um, team members uh, recently. One of them, uh, um, James Medeiros, uh, who was the former CEO of Gram, has joined uh, me and Lionel to help leading the firm uh, mm -hmm. very recently. And in terms of the business, uh, we have uh, consolidated our uh, position in the market. We have improved, increased our footprint in private markets. Uh, we have uh, consolidated uh, and um, uh, and grew uh, and grown uh, significantly our uses platform. So we are in a in a great place at the moment. Interesting. So it's quite a unique partnership, and it, it looks like there's been a lot of activity recently. You said it was an interesting year last year. That's one way of putting it. There was immense volatility. How was 2022 for you and, and what is top of mind as we enter 2023? Uh, 2022 was uh, was a great year for us uh, because it's uh, it's a year where uh, 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 which allows you to differentiate yourself. So performance was very strong, as I mentioned. All our uses funds were positive, uh, finished the year positive. Uh, the customized portfolios did very well according to their objective, uh, protected capital uh, very well. But more than anything, it was uh, a year where we could prove that uh, combining uh, a, a very rigorous manager selection with uh, a very thoughtful uh, portfolio construction uh, allows you to uh, to um, to deliver performance uh, uh, to your clients uh, and, and your investors, um, regardless of what how difficult the market was. Uh, clearly, it was a very interesting year. Uh, we think the volatility that we've seen is uh, structural, is here to stay, uh, because, of course, uh, the roots of the volatility in the markets uh, comes from the volatility in the economic, uh, um, uh, in, in the economy and uh, uh, in the policy, uh, particularly monetary policy. Mm -hmm. And if you combine uh, the... Um, uh, the, 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 the volatility and the dispersion that we're seeing in the market with the unstable correlations we've seen. Uh, 2023 is all about uh, us focusing on uh, finding uh, ways to deliver the uncorrelated alpha, focus on performance as we've done so far, and again, deliver it uh, across a number of, uh, uh, of ways. Uh, one key focus for us this year will be seeding. Uh, it, it is a great environment in our mind uh, for, for seeding and we uh, want to uh, be even more present uh, than before. The dislocations we're seeing in the markets are offering uh, great opportunities for uh, launching thematic portfolios to take advantage of uh, those um, high returns available in certain segments of the markets. We're also uh, planning to add to our internal uh, manager bench uh, to uh, take advantage of the opportunities yet available to, to, to us. And we will uh, continue to consolidate our footprint in impact investing and, uh, and private debt. So in, in uh, summarizing, uh, the focus will be performance and growth. Well, that's great. I mean, clearly you've been very busy. Uh, so there's a lot to get through there. Um, so let's start with hedge fund performance. You sound quite positive that there's been a real kind of range of opinions on 
hedge fund performance last year, macro, managed futures, multi-strategy, those three M's seem to dominate. There's been more criticism criticism of the likes of Longshore Equity. How do you judge hedge fund performance? Do you think it was actually quite a positive year overall? Yes, hello, Will. Uh, I'm happy to, to take it. I'm Lionel already. Yeah, I think you, you summarized it well because one of the key words uh, on top of the three M's you, you mentioned, it's the D one, it's dispersion. You had yeah. historically high dispersion. So, of course, it makes it a bit more difficult to qualify the, the, the quality of, uh, of performance. So I think the best way to start is to look at the aggregate numbers. And that's why I'm saying that overall, the performance is satisfactory because if you look at the indices uh, of hedge funds at around minus 4%, and you know, of course, we are going to receive uh, more data in the coming days and weeks. Mm. But I think based on what we, uh, we do, uh, with the way we compute indices, I mean, that's probably uh, the average that will... Uh, uh, be considered as the performance of 2022. But that has to be compared to uh, a performance uh, of traditional traditional assets, in particular bonds and equities, that was catastrophic. And, you know, as you mentioned, the three letters, of course, we all have the acronym of GFC in mind. I don't know what will be the acronym for 2022, perhaps uh, GIC, Global Inflation Crisis. Yeah. But if you look at the way the portfolios of big institutional investors were positioned and the way uh, they are positioned today, of course, uh, it was a very tumultuous year. Because if you remember, the consensus at the beginning of the year was that uh, inflation would be transitory uh, overall, and I'm talking about the consensus. The Fed uh, dots, even the, the policymakers were anticipating between 75 to 100 bips of increase. So did the market, if you looked uh, at the yield curves. And we ended up with uh, 350 bips on top of the 100, with 450 bips of policy uh, of policy hikes. So the magnitude of the move had very profound, of course, uh, <clears throat> repercussions on most asset classes. And we ended up with equities at minus 18, uh, bonds, depending on the region, around minus 15. But overall, if you look at a global 60-40 uh, portfolio, you end up uh, uh, at around 17.5%, which is actually the worst year since, since 1872. So that's why it will be the year of record. And we had even periods during, uh, during the, the second and third quarter, where the numbers were even uh, uglier. So markets went down to minus 25% at some point, as we all remember. So if you look at the performance uh, of 4%, put in perspective with that, I'm saying it's satisfactory because that's what is expected from hedge funds. Um, and um, more importantly, we should put things in perspective because one year, of course, uh, it's important to show the capital protection, as Salvatore mentioned. I think it's mission accomplished for the hedge fund industry. Overall, capital has been protected. Uh, even when markets were down 25, the industry has never really lost more than 6%. Uh, but if you look at the last three years, uh, hedge funds have delivered approximately 4% plus annualized, depending on this, uh, 4, 4.5. Um, and a 60-40 portfolio is more around 2.5%. So for the first time since a long time, hedge funds have not only protected uh, and diversified uh, 
uh, institutional portfolios, but they have contributed to outperformance. And they have not only contributed to this outperformance, but they have done that also while providing negative correlation in certain extents, uh, instances, and also uh, by providing much lower volatility. So I think it's more the, the right way to look at the performance to, uh, to answer your question. So yes, uh, you had a lot of dispersion. Overall, 2022 is a good vintage. It's not the best one. But the last three years, which I think is more relevant, uh, actually shows a lot of value add for, uh, hedge fund, uh, for the hedge fund industry. Now, if we zoom uh, to your point on dispersion, you had amazing performance coming from the, the managers who monetize the opportunity set. We all know being the short duration, short equities, um, long value, short tech, short growth. And a long dollar, long commodities. And of course, you have a massive outperformance for CTAs and discretionary macro. And uh, understandingly, understandingly, you have a pretty significant underperformance of long short equity and credit as well. No, I, I think that's summed it up really well, actually. So it, it was actually quite a validating year. You know, good when you look at it over three years. But in the context of, you know, very, very broad dispersion. Um, let me just ask you about long short equity, because there has been, you know, criticism there, even though, you know, the average loss was much smaller than the loss by the stock market on average last year. What do you make of long short equity? Again, as a space, I think that's probably the strategy where the performance was the most disappointing versus expectations. Alpha destruction has been pretty significant uh, across the board. But again, you have a lot of managers. If you look at top quartile and second quartile managers, they've done an amazing job. But going back to your question, if you look at 2022, you had two very important uh, dimensions to keep in mind. First, the managers who outperformed generally were long value versus short growth. That was, of course, the, the directionality to be taken. Uh, for instance, energy was up close to up 60%. You see that tech stocks were down between minus 40, minus 45% uh, for the, uh, the least profitable stocks. So it's a historically high gap, you know, between the top performers and the, and the bottom performers. So first, you have a very strong discrimination between who was right or not on the theme. And you have a lot of managers who actually are structurally long growth. So that's fine that they underperformed because they uh, significantly outperformed in 2020, for instance. Um, the second dimension, which is sometimes a bit ignored, but we spent a lot of time together with the investment team on it, it's the gamma negativity and the gamma positivity. Because beyond the pure beta exposure, the pure directionality of managers, uh, which has been translated in the numbers we discussed, you have a very strong discrimination between the managers who have been very disciplined in having a low risk budget, very low leverage, and being able to sustain the periods of heightened volatility because we've been consistently since January 22 in an environment where volatility was extremely high, you had very choppy markets, and we were in this 
boom and bust uh, cycle where unfortunately too many managers were gamma negative because risk aversion increased when, of course, the prices went down. So they were more de-risking the portfolio. And this sequence of very high magnitude moves of the market has happened six times in 2022. That was very painful. So that has been a source of very significant alpha destruction. And on the other side, of course, the managers who have been very disciplined or been able to deliver gamma positivity have delivered pretty good returns. So I think that's the way to look at it because you have a lot of alpha that has been created with the top players. And we continue to see for 2023 the same pattern. We think there is a lot of uncertainty and gamma negativity versus gamma positivity is a key success factor, we think, uh, for, for the year to come. Interesting. Okay. Well, let me turn to seeding. You are one of the world's largest and most experienced providers of seed and acceleration capital to emerging alternative fund managers. What is the opportunity set now? Thank you for recognizing us as one of the leading providers of capital. We are actually Investcor Pentages before combining uh, uh, the two teams uh, together uh, were already on their own. Uh, um, uh, some of the most active and top uh, allocators to seeding. But just to give you a sense, uh, when we combined the, the, the teams, uh, we realized that uh, we have done together almost 150 investments in emerging managers. And that is uh, counting only managers with less than 12 months of, uh, uh, of track record. So we have a very deep experience in emerging managers and seeding. And we've been seeding uh, uh, together over 40 managers and allocators more than 2 billion of uh, seed capital uh, globally. Um, and so we, we can say this with a lot of experience. I think it's a fantastic environment uh, for, for seeding at the moment. I mean, a lot of uh, the discussion is currently focused on the number of launches, which is down compared to uh, a year ago. Uh, but that doesn't give you uh, the, 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 the proper picture. Uh, it, it focuses on the quantity, not so much on the quality. Today, it's a fantastic environment to launch uh, edge funds for uh, mainly for, for for two reasons one is uh, the opportunity set will allow managers uh, to perform and uh, when you are a new manager the two the first two years of life are critical for your overall success and more importantly uh, the difficult uh, markets that we are experiencing uh, means that uh, uh, true stars will uh, be easy it will be easy for them to differentiate themselves so it will that the, the best gems will be visible uh, to uh, to everyone so if i was uh, a, a new manager to launch actually I, I i i think this is the best environment and as far as we are concerned uh, this environment is uh, also doing some of the work for us because uh, you know uh, for example 2022 uh, was an important test for managers so will uh, only those that re- truly deliver uncorrelated alpha will have succeeded, which means uh, it will make a good selection, a good pre-selection for us to find those managers that were truly alpha generators vis-a-vis managers that uh, in the past could survive by exposing themselves to beta. And uh, I I would also make another point, which is when people uh, mention that there were fewer launches, for example, the third quarter this year, we had only Mm -hmm. 72 launches, I think, uh, which uh, even if you analyze, uh, it's still almost 300 uh, 
uh, new funds uh, coming to the market. But when you do seeding like us, uh, you are incredibly selective. So we tend to seed uh, one, two, three managers per annum. So 300 is still a vast pool uh, to um, uh, to pick from. But particularly, uh, as I said, after a year like this, uh, you, you're left with a very high quality a group of managers, which we are, um, which I can confirm is the case in the sense that we, the managers we're speaking uh, currently are all very high quality. Yeah. And so, I mean, last year showed which managers performed in volatile environments who could deliver that kind of non-correlated return. Can you give any more detail on what kind of strategies you're interested in and what a manager has to do to win your, uh, your investment? So, the, perhaps let me take a step back and explain how we form our views and how we make investment decisions because we we want to be very aware of the of the environment and the opportunity set that is offered and presented to the hedge fund managers we we deploy capital with but uh, as well a very clear view of the risks and um, it's a year like last year where we have to be very humble there is a lot of uncertainty on the, the potential outcomes uh, for, for most asset classes. So when we look at our macro scenario, uh, we, we have a, a methodology that has proven to be pretty robust, which is to assign probabilities to the major uh, economic uh, uh, possibilities. And the, the way we see the world today is that inflation has probably peaked. It will be more persistent than we were expecting 12 months ago. But mm -hmm. uh, the worst is probably behind us with uh, also the supply side induce issues being resolved. And I'm happy to detail more. But, but long story short, the, the inflation should uh, be stabilizing at uh, elevated levels. The issue we have is that the, the recession is still a um, major risk, but we think that there is uh, approximately a 60% probability uh, to be in a soft landing scenario. Uh, and soft landing meaning for us shallow recession or no recession. Mm -hmm. Now, when we look at the, the, the other scenarios, we are at 35% probability of recession, and there the consequences for most financial assets can be dramatic. And the 5% is accident in terms of uh, uh, geopolitical accident. So the way we see the world is that you don't want to be two directional either way, and we are not at all in the end of the world camp or bearish camp, but we want to be mindful of the fact that uh, variations on equities, in particular in the US, are still elevated. And so it's not the year where beta uh, should be the top conviction. So that translates, yeah. to answer your question, Will, into a portfolio where diversification is key, where leverage should be low. We try to favor the, the, the strategies with limited leverage. And where we accept leverage, it's when the level of diversification is pretty high and when liquidity is high. So we don't want to have high leverage, high concentration and low liquidity. So we, we always want to pick uh, two uh, out of the three uh, where uh, we are completely in the green. Mm. So if you, if you summarize this uh, and you look also at the current valuations, I briefly mentioned equities, 
One area that seems to be pretty interesting in terms of risk reward is credit, uh, both corporate credit and uh, structured credit. Mm -hmm. And now, clearly, um, with the disruptions we have experienced, uh, again, it's not a beta play, but there is a, a good risk reward, a very good uh, alpha generation capability. So that's an, an area we are overweighting. And we continue to be very positive on macro because it's still a macro-led environment. Uh, the managers uh, we, we know well have done an amazing job. We, we still think that systematic macro uh, has a place in the portfolios, but if it will be a less favorable environment than last year. So not that we are negative, but of course, the uh, last year was exceptional. We don't think the conditions are... Uh, here to stay, uh, even if we are comfortable on the strategy. And across the board, as I said previously, we try to avoid any gamma negative strategy and favor the gamma positive ones because we think that's a source of alpha generation as well. So we see pretty good opportunities where we are confident uh, in, the, in the capacities for diversified hedge fund portfolios, well-managed with a good investment process, good opportunities to, to deliver, of course, better returns than 2022, but also to deliver a pretty good vintage overall, both in terms of absolute terms and in terms of um, uh, sharp ratio terms. And to your question, Will, about uh, what does the manager have to offer us, uh, I mean, of course, uh, as uh, as Lionel explained, that the strategy has to be, you know, sustainable and uh, unique, uh, and, and so the talent is definitely the the, the key ingredient in uh, in our selection. Having said that, we do care also uh, when we do seeding about the drive of the manager to want to build the business because seeding is uh, partnering with uh, with a partner to build a new business is not only managing the money but it's also being able uh, to manage uh, a business and uh, have the ambition to uh, to build something that goes beyond um, managing the money so in that uh, the drive and the alignment become uh, critical uh, factors for us to select a partner and that, that point about drive and building a business is interesting because there's been so much talk about multi-strategy hedge funds uh, performing well and attracting more capital and talent. And, you know, some managers choosing to join those firms rather than starting their own funds. Do, do you worry that that will limit the, the, the talent going into pure hedge fund launches? Look, for, for us, you're right. We, we don't see that as a positive will, but the type of manager Salvatore was referring to is more people and portfolio managers who want to launch a business as well, you know, and uh, uh, they, they really want to have a high level of independence and they want to be in control of their business uh, on top of being uh, just in charge of a portfolio. So that's where the level of competition is probably lower versus these multi-strategy funds. Did you want to add anything, Salvatore? No, no, I agree. I mean, it's a, it, it comes down to their vision and their time horizon, right? A lot of people joining the platform are more interested to manage a lot of money now and, uh, and, and maximize their profits rather than 
build the brand, build the business, uh, uh, launch new funds in the future. So it, it, it's a, it, the, the overlap uh, is there, but it's very small in our experience. And it tends to be with those people that we wouldn't have uh, partnered up anyway, because we didn't see the drive and the main motivation to build a business. So in all honesty, it tends not to be um, a, a drag. If at all, it, it optimizes our uh, sourcing uh, uh, time now, because a lot of people that uh, maybe in the past were coming to ask for seed capital, but they were really after money to manage as opposed to a, a business to build, there are probably less of those uh, coming to us now. Having said that, there's also um, a, a, a lack of overlap in terms of strategies. Uh, not all the strategies uh, fit the multi-manager, uh, multi-strategy construct. Uh, and as such, there are certain strategies, particularly in credit, uh, where uh, seeding is uh, often one of the only ways to uh, to launch a new fund. So I, I agree with Lionel. I mean, it's a, it's almost a separate uh, pool of talent. Although we did occasionally have to um, interview uh, traders who were looking to manage money more than building a business, and that is happening less uh, so now. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Uh, let me ask you about data and tech. Certainly, since the partnership came together three years ago, and and you know, going back to when the respective businesses started, I'm sure both data and tech have changed immensely. Do you think you could give me a, an idea about how you use it in your processes? Sure, I'm happy to to, to answer this one. First, will we we've always been a very prolific user of technology and data. And uh, that for two reasons. Uh, for First, to streamline the, the process of sourcing and monitoring managers. And secondly, to build and optimize portfolios. And since we've been in business uh, over 25 years, here we've seen tremendous evolution uh, on the technology side and also on the transparency side coming from, uh, from hedge funds. And the very significant level of transparency that hedge funds uh, provide now um, is, a, is a fantastic opportunity actually to, uh, to use technology to deal with the data. And one of the challenges actually is how to use the data effectively more than accessing the, the data. So what we've been doing is uh, try to find the best um, balance between outsourcing the, the data providers, the softwares, the optimizers versus building in-house. And I think that's probably the questions every asset management firm is uh, asking uh, when, they, when they review you know, how to, to build a, a strong technology. Um, but what we've uh, been seeing is that when you have a very good uh, investment team, uh, quant, uh, quant investment professionals, with very good data, you can really enhance the alpha you, you deliver for your clients. Uh, at the level of understanding where the sources of performance come from hedge funds and measure and quantify the alpha, but also how to build the portfolios. So that's what we've uh, what we've done. We have added a new service provider, for instance, since the merger. And to that extent, I think it was very helpful to, to combine the two businesses because uh, Tages and Investcorp had uh, this culture of looking very deeply at the data, but we had done it uh, a different fashion. 
And when we combined the expertise together, we, we were very excited mutually because, of course, we could take advantage of all uh, what had been uh, developed, all the brain power and the, and the expertise that, that had been done. So I would say for us, data, the, the value add comes from the fact that you focus on the right thing because you can uh, analyze millions of data. And again, that's not the access to the data that is really the differentiator. One of the most precious things uh, is clearly the time of the, the investment professionals. And you want them to focus their time on what matters and what has an impact uh, to the clients of the portfolios. So I think that's mm -hmm. the job of Salvatore and me uh, uh, and now James, of course, to really see how we allocate the resources in terms of continuing to develop in-house versus outsourcing. But overall, we we measure it and we know that technology has been clearly uh, helped us in delivering alpha for your for our clients. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Okay, I have two final questions on USITs and impact investing. So to start with your USITs platform, it features some very well-known managers. What is your view of this sector and what role do you see USITs funds playing in investor portfolios? Uh, we're clearly committed to uh, uh, to the UC sector. Uh, we have, uh, as you said, we've added uh, two very prominent managers uh, in the last 12 months. We're working to um, onboard the two additional managers in, uh, in, in 2023. So we're, we're really committed uh, uh, to the to the sector as we believe there's a bright future for it. As we just mentioned, uh, Lionel mentioned, uh, you know, rising interest rates, uh, volatility in the markets, uh, even more uh, higher geopolitical uh, uh, risk, which brings even more deglobalization, means that uh, active management is key uh, going forward. We think that uh, the easy years were, you know, playing a risk premium in a passive way was, of course, the winning strategy. It's probably over. For, for, for the next few years. And clearly uh, what active management means, means uh, that the ability to select uh, uh, securities and the flexibility for the managers uh, will have um, uh, a lot of more value going forward. And this is what our uses alternative uh, managers uh, provide. As I mentioned last year, it was an excellent year where all our funds in the platform were positive. We also had the largest launch in the in, in the industry uh, again uh, after one we did a couple of years ago. So the, 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 there's clearly demand uh, there, and now the demand is coming also from uh, um, investors. We're we're looking for ways to diversify their liquid portfolios, uh, not only by adding uh, illiquid alternatives, but also within the liquid realm. And that's what uh, the usage funds, uh, uh, the alternative uses funds provide for those investors. So, so we are um, we're strong believers that there's a bright future in front of us for alternative uses funds to the extent that, that those are delivering a true alternative uh, returns. Uh, so truly decorrelated and diversifying. Okay, great. And also you launched an impact fund with a particular focus on small and mid-cap European companies. So what's your interest in impact investing and how does the firm think about ESG? Uh, yes, we did. <laughs> um, uh, impact and sustainability in general has always been something that the firm and the team have been uh, very sensitive to since inception. We were 
just to give you a sense, we were a, a, a UMPRI signatory already in 2018, so well before um, the attention that we're seeing today to sustainability was uh, um, so uh, widespread, let's say. Um, mm. we, we, we came across the sector a few years ago when we were looking, when we were working on a mandate investing in frontier markets, and we got immediately uh, very excited about it and decided to make a strategic priority for, for the firm to promote the sector because we are uh, strong believers that uh, uh, you can um, achieve at the same time financial returns, which is what uh, impact uh, targets, alongside uh, the intention to uh, generate positive and measurable uh, social and environmental impact. So we've been focused on it. To our um, surprise, uh, the impact uh, sector, which is developing very fast, but uh, is it, still in, a, in its infancy. I, when we looked at uh, what was available to investors wanting to enter the sector, we realized that, for example, that it doesn't, it didn't exist a fund with a pan-European um, brief which would cover lots of social, uh, um, uh, w which will target a solution to some of the pressing social uh, uh, challenges, which was readily available with vintages and so forth for institutional investors. So what we did is we worked alongside our institutional investors uh, to find uh, a solution to give uh, them access to a sector which is still um, developing and which uh, uh, where we can contribute uh, given our e expertise in uh, investing with uh, emerging managers in new strategies. So a lot of those managers are still that are very active in impact with uh, two or three vintages uh, behind them are still relatively local, relatively concentrated. So we uh, helped the institutional investor community to um, uh, effectively promote an investment that, that can go beyond uh, certain boundaries, which has the um, great effect of compounding the impact that those managers make. I give you an example. Lots of the great managers that we have found in the in the in the sector, uh, they have found the very interesting solutions to uh, to 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 to, uh, to some of the issues and in, in the social space, but the, many of those solutions have been um, uh, developed within one country in Europe and mm -hmm. what we are doing is we are helping the managers uh, through creating an ecosystem and through uh, encouraging them to go beyond their own country to uh, replicate those initiatives which have already been proven uh, um, able to generate some positive social impact to go beyond their borders and export those ideas into other countries. With uh, As far as ESG is concerned, of course, uh, this is an area, uh, as I said, that we, we've been very focused on for, for a while. We are true believers that those factors are longer term a key to success of a firm and our commitment is applied at two levels so we we, we apply that externally uh, where we um, uh, by integrating ESG factors into our investment process and we do that proactively for example we do a lot of engagement we engage with all the managers we work not only on impact also on edge funds on private debt all what we do we uh, engage with managers we try to uh, um, 
promote the best practices. We we try to consult uh, uh, with them on uh, on ESG um, uh, considerations, but also internally where we have adopted um, sustainable business practices, uh, uh, starting with the promotion of, uh, you know, healthy, respectful and sustainable working environment for, for, for our uh, teams, uh, which is uh, important uh, uh, as well. Fantastic. Well, it sounds like you both have a, a lot on your plate mm-hmm. um, in 2023. So I'll leave it there. Thank you very much for joining me on AFI. It was a pleasure. Our pleasure. Thank you. Thank you to Salvatore and Lionel. AFI subscribers can read the full interview online. If you haven't already, please follow AFI on LinkedIn and sign up to our free newsletter, an essential read for anyone in hedge funds and private markets. That's it for now. Until next time on AFI.